0: episode is airing on Tuesday, June 9th, 2020. Hello, everyone. This is Shannon, and I am so excited because today is, I think, really, truly the best release day of 2020 so far. I know I talk about it being the best release day like kind of often, but I think this one really, really is because there are so many great books out today. It's just amazing. But, You know what else is amazing? The interview that you are about to hear. Sarah and I were lucky enough to sit down with author Kristen Higgins yesterday, and she talked with us about her latest novel, which is out today. It's called Always the Last to Know, so definitely stick around for that. And then after the interview, you will, of course, get to hear about all the new books out today. So before we get started, I have the usual housekeeping information for you. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And now on with the interview of Kristen Higgins, who is the first author that we have interviewed more than once. So that is very, very exciting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and I'm here with Sarah today. And we have the absolute pleasure of interviewing author Kristen Higgins. She was here with us last summer, and she's back today to talk about her latest novel, which is called Always the Last to Know. And it will be published actually um, on the day that you are listening to the interview. So June 9th. Kristen, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Can we get started with you giving listeners a little bit of an introduction to this latest book?
1: Sure. Uh, Always Last to Know is the story of the three frost women, Barb, the mom, and Sadie and Juliet, her grown daughters, and they are struggling to deal with the new situation they find themselves in. John, their husband and dad, has had a massive stroke, and he's just a shadow of his former self, um, and they have to come together and figure out how to take care of him, and uh And redefine their family roles and kind of come to terms with some of the things in the past. So each woman has her own story, mother and two daughters, about how we got to this moment and the things that are going on. Barb, this dutiful wife of nearly 50 years, had just been about to ask her husband to get a divorce. Their marriage had been stale for decades And she was just like, you know, between now and my death, how do I want to live? Do I want to live with someone who barely notices me or subtly puts me down all the time? The day before she's about to tell him, he has that stroke. And when she's sitting in the hospital waiting room while he's in surgery, holding his stuff, his phone lights up with a text. And guess who it is? It's his mistress. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Surprise! so she finds out that her husband has been cheating on her. And uh, then we have Juliet, the older daughter, uh, who is going through a bit of a midlife crisis. And this comes as a great surprise to her because she has planned her life out and gotten every goal she's ever tried for. She went to Harvard, she went to Yale, she became a, a, an architect and she's on this great career track, which is kind of sidelined when she hires a new woman who's younger, and very beautiful, and a, you know, good, solid architect, but suddenly the world is on fire for her, and she's getting interviews in the New York Times, and Vanity Fair, and being asked to keynote conferences, and she's thinking, wait, what, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Um, and she's she's got two tween age daughters and her older one is starting to go on that typical path of, you know, <laughs> trying to distance herself from her mom. So Juliet is having these panic attacks in her closet and thinking, maybe it's time for me to move to Montana and become a smoke jumper for the parks department, you know? <laughs> and then, right. Haven't we all had that thought? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's Sadie, who is uh, the younger sister by 12 years she has been trying to make a dream happen in New York City. She wants to be like a Soho it girl artist. And that just hasn't happened. She's teaching elementary school art and um, and making paintings that that match couches and fabric swaths <laughs> and wallpaper. Um, and she's saying, hey, I'm still working for a living. You know, I, I'm still painting. You know, I, I count. But she's her daddy's darling, and when he has that stroke, she comes rushing back to Connecticut and comes face to face with the only man she's ever really loved, despite the fact that she is dating somebody. Noah, her high school sweetheart, um, they tried for years to make things work, but they just wanted such different things. And now she learns that he is a daddy and has a 16-week-old baby, much to her surprise. So uh, So this summer, they're going to spend caring for the dad, redefining what happiness looks like, um, reevaluating their relationships. And you know, it's a story about people who are dealing with heartache and crisis and trauma, And, and you know, if you've read any of my books, they're going to be okay, and they're not only going <laughs> to be okay, they're going to be better than they ever were. And in this day and age, this week, this, you know, crisis that we're in, COVID, civil unrest, police brutality, looting, racism, you know, I think we really need to have messages that we're going to get through this and we'll be better than ever, stronger, braver, um, more united, more compassionate. And, um, And I just think we really need to read. Read books with this kind of message. It's part of self-care in, in this time.
2: We all need a little more Kristen Higgins in our lives. That's for oh, sure. The, thank the, you. <laughs> I, I read your book in one day. Thanks. I, I would say so, that. yes. Yeah, it was such a good book. And like, I, I'm glad you brought that up where you say that your characters, you know, they may have to go through a crisis, but they're going to be better for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not like, I like books that have like sadness in them, but I don't like books that leave you feeling like, oh, like just go out and, you know, hide in the corner, you know, it's just like heartbreaking stuff. And I just, I, that's how I felt about all of your books, even when you were writing more like the, like the straight contemporary romance, a little Mm -hmm. less women's fictiony type Um, at the end, you just always wrap up everything and it just is such a happy, a happy day when you read a Kristen Higgins book.
1: I I believe in that, you know, I believe that, that in novels, you have the power to transform people for the better, even if they were great to begin with, you know, and um, in real life, you don't always get to do that. And I'm with you. I, I like books that that restore my faith in
2: humanity. (laughs) Yeah. No sad endings for me, Mm -hmm. but I, I'm a mom. I have two boys and reading this book, um, and kind of like reading about the dynamics between like Juliet and her mom and Sadie and her dad, and then how Juliet and Sadie interact with the opposite parent.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, It just made me so sad to think that there are people out there who blatantly, I mean, not just like, you know, appreciate different qualities of their kids, but blatantly have a favorite. And it's just like a known thing in the family. So like when you were writing that, because I know, I know, because I I read your Facebook, I know you have kids as well. Is that hard for you, like when you write that, to put yourself kind of in that thought process of yeah
1: you know it is because um I I love my kids so much and um and I I I think I love them the same but they're very different people Mm -hmm. and um you know um with Barb she um She goes through something that I personally went through as well. She has a miscarriage and then she's unable to get pregnant after that. So when she finally has Juliet, it is the answer to all her prayers. And um, John is traveling for work. He never, you know, he doesn't spend that much time with the baby, but they have a very traditional old fashioned marriage where he is the Mm -hmm. bread and she raises the child and she's so happy and, and, it's just everything she ever dreamed motherhood would be. When Sadie is born, her mother is dying. Uh, she doesn't realize that she's pregnant because she thinks she's going through menopause. And it was so hard to get pregnant with Juliet. Mm. So it never really occurs to her until her, like she goes in for back pain and her chiropractor you?" <laughs> <Yeah. sorry." laughs> she's like, wait, what? I'm not pregnant. Oh, oh, my God. You know? And then she has a very difficult exhausting birth she's now 40 years old she's um you know she's older she has postpartum depression and the baby just bonds with with her daddy Mm -hmm. which is lovely for for that but barb tries so hard to 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 bond with and understand sadie but um but it's hard when dad keeps swooping in as, you know, I'm using air quotes, the nice parent, Mm -hmm. the fun parent, the good parent. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and one of the things that I really enjoyed writing this book was how, how Sadie starts to appreciate how her mother did raise her. And she starts to see like, it was easy for dad to take me out for ice cream after mom told me I couldn't have dessert, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) that sort of lazy, fun parenting isn't the hard work that raises you into a, into a responsible person, you know? And, um, and yeah, Juliet really feels like I didn't have the father that my sister had, but I got mom, you know, and mom is my best friend and I, I adore her and um, I respect and admire her. And, and Juliet sees Barb in such a different way than Sadie does. And I think that, You know, when there's an age difference like that in kids, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's that happens. My mom is the oldest child of nine. And Wow. Yeah. And so she'll tell she'll tell stories about her childhood and her siblings will look at her like, You had it so easy, you know, you got away with murder. Um and, you know, uh one of my uncles said once, like you know, Noelle still thinks she's an only child, you know, they were just like, she's the oldest, she's the princess, you know, and, um, and they were just like the pack that followed. And, and I think like her, um, her youngest brother is, is uh, 22 years younger than she is. So they got vastly different parents, even though they had the same parents, you know, my, my parents, my grandparents were um, grandparents in their early 40s you know mm-hmm. and um right so that that difference in age like being almost a generation apart you know where where your kids going to high school and you have an infant you know <laughs>
2: i think it really does affect how you're raised well yeah it's like my oldest is 12 right now and if i had a baby it would be um yeah it would be a, like he's getting very self sufficient And then we would kind of have to start back over. You know what I mean? It would be, I think, a hard transition. Um, I don't want to talk about spoilers. So I will try to be vague. But there were some (laughs) scenes in this book. And I was talking to Shannon about it before um, our interview. Where I just wanted, like, some where I laughed out loud. And some where I was like, this is like the like, ode to people who have been cheated on this, like, vindication scene. And I just, I, like, I think I actually clapped. I was like, oh, my God, yay. So I don't want to, like, give too much away, but I just love how you – there were no loose ends at the, at the end of this story. Everything was so wrapped up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, like in fiction, you get to do that. And I, you know, I'm an empty nester now. So and most of my friends are about the same age as I am in in town. And, and my husband and I just sat back and watched as half of our French group divorced, you know, and some did it well, like, You know, we we agreed that we would divorce when the last kid went off to college um, and our friends and respectful and good co-parents and some cheated. And this, you know, that storyline, those moments that you're referring to, (laughs) those are for those friends who were cheated on, because I think that infidelity is so weak and so sneaky and so easy, you know. Barb was ready to have, get a divorce. And, um, and she was, you know, she would not have been sad if her husband said, look, I'd like a divorce. You know, they had this stale marriage for a long time, but instead he snuck around and that really hurts her. Like she is such a, a rule follower. She's so dutiful. And she says time and again, like she meant those vows when she, Uh she meant them and (laughs) she followed them. But, um, yeah there's a couple of scenes in there where when she learns that John has been cheating on her, um she starts answering his lover uh, <laughs> you know she starts pretending to be John yes. and she, she gets a lot of pleasure out of doing that out of being as idiotic as he is um using all these weird emojis and, <laughs> yes. um, and um and when john John has a point of view in the book too, and that was really um. Really beautiful for me to write from the point of view of someone whose brain is not functioning the way it's supposed to be and I did a lot of research on brain injuries and 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 stroke uh, victims and and people who have their speech center affected and what John realizes is um, you know he did this the wrong way, and that is definitely For the friends of mine who have gone through this experience of infidelity, that they get in some small way what they've always wanted, which was, I'm sorry, I did it wrong and you didn't deserve this. And John being unable to speak, you know, it's very hard for him to convey that.
2: I love that none of the characters are truly like a villain and they're not truly Perfect, either, like right. everybody is very, very relatable, and I think sometimes yeah. when you read a book, and Shannon tell me like agree with me, I think when you read a book sometimes, like the characters you're like, uh, like why would you you're, you're not even acting like, like an oh person. Like, like people <laughs> wouldn't do that mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. your your characters are very relatable, like I always say like when I'm talking about a book, like i I really want a heroine in a book that I feel like I could go and have a coffee or a a glass of wine or something with like somebody that I can Mm -hmm. kind of, even if our personalities aren't the same, like somebody I can relate to and your characters are always like that because they're not perfect, but they're not like, so like attention seeking. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're very relatable people. And one of my favorite parts of this book and Shannon and I were talking about this too, is the like the friendship between Barb and her bestie in this yeah. book and how yes. it spans all the years. Like everybody should have a bestie like that.
1: Yes. Yeah. That um, you know, I I don't really write romance anymore, although I always have romance in my books. And 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 I wanted to do honor to that sometimes the, your friend is the love of your life. You know, it, it yes. might not be a I romantic loved character. that. I did and too. Caro and Barb are best friends. They know where the glasses are and what they take on their pizza. And they've been friends since Barb moved to Stoningham. And, um, and I, I look at my own mom, who's now, um, almost 80 and, her best friend uh, and she are—they're so devoted to each other, and—and and in some ways, you know, it's my mom's friendship, and and her best friend is named Carol, so that's a little nod to to mom oh. and Carol. Um, <laughs> but is it is one of the great loves of her life? You know, it's not romantic, um, but we don't
0: point. always get to see that in yeah. books. You know, we yeah. we often have kind of the friend as like the supporting character, but you don't always get to see that that deep bond that can Mm -hmm. exist between like really good friends who know you like better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Before we run out of time, I I would like to ask you what is coming next for you?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, well,
1: I've, um, during the pandemic, I finished um, next summer's book, which is currently called Untitled. <laughs> <laughs> Untitled. <laughs> we're, we're rolling around different titles, um, but that is this. It is a different kind of book than the past few that I've written, um, where I've I've got uh, more of a family drama. This is a. Um, this is a relationship drama, and it's the story of Joshua and Lauren. It's a love story. Yay. Um And, um, but it's also a, a tragedy in some ways in that um, this is the story of this beautiful couple, uh, and uh, one of them is uh, diagnosed as being terminal. And so how do you...
2: Oh, do oh you gosh.
1: <laughs> I know. It's gonna be a teardripper, <laughs> as my kids used to say. Um, but it's it's also, you know, I think all my books will make you laugh, they'll make you sob, and and then they'll make you laugh again. And 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 again, like this is an uplifting book about a really difficult subject. Um, and and something that we will all encounter is the death of a loved one, you know. It's and true. um oh. how do you get through that and what happens after? And, um, I think it will be really powerful and really beautiful. And, um, you know, I hope, I hope everyone will really love it.
2: Oh, I already do. And I haven't even read read it. Summer (laughs) seems so far away. (laughs) (laughs) It does.
0: It does. Um, and one last question for you before we let you dash off what have you read lately that you would yes. like listeners to be aware of? Because oh. you gave us some really great <laughs> recommendations last year. I have. So we would I like some the, more, please. <laughs>
1: one of the joys of the pandemic is that I have read more in the past few months. Um, so right. right now I'm reading Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. With <gasps> yes. i yes. so excited. Right. So Can't wait
2: to read that one. It's persuasive. Uh, yes.
1: Uh, an homage to Jane Austen's Persuasion with, you know, uh, a first love separated. It's got um, the Food Network having a Cooking with the Stars kind of show. And um, so Ashna, our chef, is paired with her first love, Rico, who is basically the David Beckham of the soccer world. And, um, and they're paired oh. together on this show. And it's wonderful and it's got Great food porn, as Sonali always has. <laughs> I, also, I also read what I think is Susan Elizabeth Phillips' best book ever.
2: she <gasps> oh, can't wait till tomorrow? <laughs> is <I'm
1: laughs> she coming up tomorrow? It's called Dance Away With Me. And um, what a powerhouse novel that was. And it has oh. everything you want from SCP. You know, it's got the humor. It's got the grouchy hero. It's got the brilliant heroine. And it's almost
0: of, here. Well, Tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that was great. Um, Real Men Knit was a delightful oh. <laughs> romance. Did, did you <laughs> read that? Oh, I'm
0: so excited about that yeah. one. I, no, I, I just have saw it here. It. I've not read so, it yet, but I'm so excited.
1: Question. Four Hot Brothers Who Knit. There you go. At the end. <laughs> you know, what, what's not to love? Um, I loved that book. That was um, about a, a woman who adopts four boys and raises them and then she dies and her knitting shop is put in peril and so a girl in the neighborhood steps up with one of the sons to save what is the heart of the community in this beautiful section of Harlem and so that was by Quana Jackson and that was fantastic I'm totally uh, going to have to get that one yeah and then like on a, on a like big scale big issues book was Queen Move by Kennedy Ryan
0: Oh. oh, I'm excited yeah. for that.
1: If you've read any of Kennedy, you know I she. Kennedy up. Ryan.
0: Yeah, Me too. too. Really
1: high stakes, beautiful, lush. Yes. Gorgeous writing, yes. very, um, very uh, sensual and beautiful, and um, and that that was just another tour de force from her.
0: Awesome. She is amazing. She is. She is really special. Well, I want to. I want to thank you so much for coming back and talking with us about this phenomenal book. I'm so excited for it to be out in the world so that everyone Mm -hmm. can appreciate it. And we are so lucky to have gotten to talk to you again. It is always a pleasure to have you here. Thank and we too. will be waiting for your next, yeah, <laughs> untitled. <laughs> oh. untitled. yes,
1: untitled. I'm sure we'll we'll figure something out. Um, so I, I
0: imagine it will have a title too. when we see it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and and just uh, just if I could add, if you buy, always the last to know this week, um, my cut of your purchase goes to St. Jude Children's Hospital. Oh. Um, it's always a nice oh. way to give back oh. to the world Excellent. for all the luck and fortune I've had with, with readers. So
2: I really appreciate having you. So friends, as I always say, when I recommend a book on the podcast, buy it today.
0: (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Today. Okay. Now we will talk about all the great new books that I have written down to talk to you about. So as always, I can't talk to you about every book that's out in any given week. It's just not possible. So these are books that either I am personally excited about, that one or more of my fellow beastresses are excited about, or just things that I think are likely to appeal overall to the listenership of the podcast If you would like to hear me talk about something that I haven't mentioned, please just get in touch with me and let me know. I'm happy to try to curate these lists to better reflect what people are interested in. Okay, so the first several books I'm going to mention are going to be done kind of quickly because these are books that you've heard us talk about before on our Most Anticipated Books of June episode. So a lot of books that um, Sarah is looking forward to are out today. Um, Dragon Unleashed, Fallen Empire, Book Two by Grace Draven, and Dance Away with Me by Susan Elizabeth Phillips. And then, of course, the Kristen Higgins book that you just heard her talk about. And Kristen and Sarah are both really excited about the new Nalini Sting. Actually, I think a bunch of us are Mika, Natalia, me. Um, anyway, this is Alpha Knight, Side Changeling, Trinity, book four. So we get to revisit the wolves and that is pretty great. And Brooke mentioned Stranger in the Lake by Kimberly Bell. Natalia and I also really enjoy her work. So that is also out this week. Now, let's talk about books that you haven't heard us mention before. First up is The Secret Women by Sheila Williams. And this is said to appeal to fans of Terry McMillan, Terry Jones. Um, So it basically is a look at the complex relationship between mothers and daughters and it basically talks about three women whose mothers have all passed away and these women kind of join together to support one another as they come to terms with their loss and this again is The Secret Women by Sheila Williams and let's talk about some romantic suspense here for a moment Closer Than She Knows by Kelly Urban. This is the story of a reporter, a court reporter, and she really loves to learn about serial killers. But when a police officer is murdered by someone who might be a serial killer, this interest of hers hits a little too close to home. I have never read Kelly Urban, but this synopsis really intrigued me. So I will definitely be picking this up. It's Closer Than She Knows, and it is by Kelly Urban. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that many of us really, really love paranormal romance and urban fantasy. So Mika has talked to us quite a bit about the author K.F. Breen, and she has a new book out this week. This is Sin and Surrender. It is the sixth book in her Demigod of San Francisco series. And I think Stacy has read book one and Mika has read. I don't think anything in this particular series, but she's read some other books by her. Um, I have not yet, although I really want to because I've heard great things about her. So this again is Sin and Surrender, Demigod of San Francisco, book six. By KF Breen. Next up, we have a sweeping saga. So this is Daughters of Erie Town, and it's by Connie Schultz. And this is described as sort of the evolution of women's lives. And we learn about the things that people know and the things that people pretend not to know about those who live near them. Um, I've heard really good things about this from people who've gotten a chance to read early copies. It looks super amazing. I would really like to read it. It is The Daughters of Erie Town, and it's by Connie Schultz. I think this is her debut novel as well. Next up, this synopsis that I, um, I'm not going to read to you in its entirety, but this kind of intrigued me. This is Broken People by Sam Lansky. And it's about a traveling shaman who is said to perform open soul surgery on people who need it most. And apparently our main character is a man who is probably in a lot of need of such a surgery, but doesn't necessarily want to admit this. So this again is Broken People, and it's by Sam Lansky. Next up is a book by author Deborah Thomas. This is called Lose, and it is the story of a mother who wants to tell her teenage daughter some difficult truths about kind of her past and their family history. But there are a lot of things that she still feels like she needs to keep to herself. Some of them have to do with the mother's journey to the United States um, from another country. I'm not sure which country that is, but it looks really, really excellent, especially given all of the talk about immigration and border patrols and things like that. So this is lose, and it is by Deborah Thomas. Next up is You Exist Too Much. This is a novel by Zaina Arafat. And it is a coming-of-age story about a Palestinian girl who is struggling to come to terms with her identity as part of the queer population, as well as with some addiction that she's been fighting for a while. Um, This looks kind of like it could qualify as young adult um, or not. I think probably it depends on... Some of the content, um, I wasn't able to get a clear answer as to whether it was YA, but it looks really, really good. It is You Exist Too Much, and it's by Zaina Arafat. S.K. Barnett has a thriller out today. This is called Safe, and it is about a girl who goes missing when she's six years old, and for 12 years, no one knows where she is. But now she's turned 18 and she's back. So where has she been? What has happened to her? If you want to know, you have to pick it up. It's safe and it's by S.K. Barnett. This next book is one that I was lucky enough to read an early copy of. This is Last One to Lie by J.M. Winchester. And this is a pseudonym for romance author Jennifer Snow, um, who I have not read, but I did really like Last One to Lie. It is pretty implausible. It's pure escapist fun um, at its best. If you're looking for something that really accurately portrays a police investigation, this probably isn't going to be what, you're, what you want, but it's a lot of fun. It's about a mother who goes to pick up her daughter from daycare only to learn that her daughter isn't there and was never there. Now, how this is possible when the mother supposedly dropped her off there just a few hours ago, no one knows. It is super twisty. I highly recommend it. It is Last One to Lie by J.M. Winchester. Okay, let's talk about some really great romance novels. This one, is The Boyfriend Project, and this one looks excellent. It is the first book in a series of the same name, and it's by Farah Roshan. It is about three women who don't know each other until they learn through Twitter that they have been dating the same man unbeknownst to one another. So they join forces, become friends, and decide to do some inner work on themselves before looking for love again. So this again is The Boyfriend Project, The Boyfriend Project, book one, and it is by Farah Roshan. We also have The Marriage Game by Sarah Desai. This is a rom-com with kind of an enemies to lovers trope. It is about a CEO who is pitted against a young entrepreneur. So this, again, is The Marriage Game, and it's by Sarah Desai. There's also Last Tang Standing by Lauren Ho, and this is described as Bridget Jones' Diary meets Crazy Rich Asians. So I have read the first Crazy crazy Rich Asians book. I have never read Bridget Jones, but it looks like it's kind of light and fluffy Um, as was Crazy Rich Asians. So if you enjoyed one or both of those books and you'd like to see a romance that kind of fits into those categories, you should check this one out. It is Last Tang Standing, and it's by Lauren Ho. Next up, we have a young adult novel called Followers. It's by Raziel Reed, It is about a teenage girl who is thrust into the glamorous, backstabbing world of reality TV. Um, You don't really read a lot about reality TV, even though there's a lot of it out there. So I'm pretty excited to see how this is. It is Followers by Raziel Reed. The audio for this one comes out on June 30th. So if you're looking for it now, you won't find it but you will in a few weeks. Let's talk about a dual timeline novel. This is The Lost Diary of Venice. It's by Margot Derue, and part of it is set in present day, and part of it goes back in time to the Renaissance era of Venice, and I have read some really great novels set in Venice during that time, so I'm really excited about this. Plus, Dual timeline books are just amazing. So this one is The Lost Diary of Venice, and the author is Margot DeRue. Kristen Cusack Lewis is releasing a new book today. This is called Perfect Happiness. I have her first book, which is called Half of What You Hear. Um, I have it here. I have not read it but it looks very, very cool, and this one does as well. So this is Perfect Happiness, and it is about a woman who has been relying on her professional expertise to kind of get her through life, and in this book, she realizes that her expertise can only get her so far when it comes to matters of the heart. So it looks like a little bit of romance, some women's fiction, just a great summer book. And it is Perfect Happiness by Kristen Cusack Lewis. And kind of in a similar vein, we have The Bitter and Sweet of Cherry Season by Molly Fader. And Molly Fader is a pseudonym for romance author Molly O'Keefe, who Natalia really, really likes. Um... So as Molly Fader, she's writing women's fiction. This is her second novel. Last year, she released the McAvoy Sisters' Book of Secrets. So in this book, we are understanding a little bit, I guess, in the beginning about a family um, who lives in a house near an orchard. And when one of the daughters comes home after a long absence, oh! kinds of things come to a head so I guess like we know a little bit about some of these problems in the beginning of the book and then it very nicely unfolds from what I can tell and I'm really excited about this because I think family like intergenerational stories are really really awesome especially in this kind of like summer season when you see a lot of books that fall into this category so this is the bitter and sweet of cherry season by Molly Fader. And I cannot end this episode without talking about the new novel by Jennifer L. Armantrout. This is Rage and Ruin. It's the Harbinger book two. It is young adult urban fantasy with, are you ready, a disabled heroine who is losing her vision. And you just don't see a lot of characters with disabilities in urban fantasy, so I love that Armin Trout has chosen to create um, in Trinity a disabled like teenager who's dealing with vision loss. Um, Armin Trout herself is losing her vision due to retinitis pigmentosa, and she does a really nice job of fleshing out Trinity's character and also just talking about that whole grieving process of losing your vision. I love the first book in this series, which is called Storm and Fury. So I'm super excited for this one. It is Rage and Ruin, Harbinger, book two, and it is by Jennifer L. Armantrout. And I'm ending today with a Mercedes Lackey book. So this is Spy, Spy Again, Valdemar, Family Spies, book three. And I was introduced to the Valdemar books like back in the mid-90s with Arrows of the Queen. And it is such a cool world, very, very um, richly developed. It's, It's amazing. And I love that Lackey is still writing books in this world, although, you know, she's moved all over the timeline. She's done such great things. So if you have read any of her previous Valdemar books, definitely check this one out. And if you haven't, go back and kind of lose yourself in the world of Valdemar because there is a lot of greatness to be found there. So this one is Spy, Spy Again, and it is Valdemar Family Spies Book 3 by Mercedes Lackey. So I could go on and on and on about new books, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to instead wish you the very happiest of Bookity Tuesdays. I hope you are reading great things and that you are staying safe and well during these tumultuous times here in the United States. If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness, and some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books.